This is WGRE 91.5 FM, Greencastle, Indiana. Good evening, and welcome to Music for Life, music from DePaul. In this episode, we hear stories from student singers Hannah Gauthier, Yazid Pierce Gray, Julie Strauser, Laura Witte, and Dallas Gray about the interesting things they did this summer. Professors Christina Berger, Craig Paré, and Steven Snyder come by to tell us about what the choirs, band, and jazz ensembles will be up to this semester. And 21CM director Dr. Mark Rabideau returns to talk about our new presence in downtown Greencastle and all of the great things going on at Music on the Square. There are lots of exciting things going on in the DePaul School of Music, and we're glad you could join us for Music for Life. We've been chatting about all the great things coming up in the music school this semester, and joining me to chat about the band's activities is our director of bands, Dr. Craig Perea. Welcome back, Craig. Thank you, Dr. McCoy. Lots going on. Two big concerts that we're going to have, one in October, one in November, and we're participating in the holiday gala, which all the students really look forward to. I'm trying to find a mixture of works that really kind of get the group going. And we, as we start a year, it's a brand new group, even mm-hmm. with the returning students. So right. one of the things I really value is the variety of music I try to program in each of the concerts that's kind of like that box of candy that Forrest Gump looks after. Yeah. That you really, <laughs> uh, there's so many different things and tastes I try to address. Uh, for contemporary music, I'm doing a Bach transcription. I haven't done a Bach transcription in years. Mm that kind of in the mid-20th century, a lot of composers and arrangers wrote that for transcriptions right. because there weren't a lot of original band works. And then some contemporary works, too, throughout the, the semester. And so you've got kind of four things right off the... You've got Depopalooza, full concert in October, full concert in November, and then the holiday gala, bang, bang, bang. Yes. One of the other things I'm addressing as we approach next semester recording our 10th CD, I try to get some of the composers that we're going to, especially major composers, Joseph Schwantner being one of the main ones, Mm -hmm. to get used to and kind of get to know their musical language now because most of the next semester we'll be getting ready for the CD for our March and April concert. So a beautiful piece of his, An Evening Stillness, will be the centerpiece mm. for our November concert. Is that a concerto? Is that a piece for band? Original piece for wind ensemble. Original piece for mm-hmm. wind ensemble. That's great. And so any other big gems you're looking forward to this semester? Things that the students are really enjoying right now are Ride by Samuel Hazo mm-hmm. and uh, this Bach Toccata and Fugue in D minor. I don't think I've ever done that, but it's been mm-hmm. a long time to do a Bach transcription. I try to mix in some chamber music. We're going to do a beautiful movement of a divertissement by uh, Emile Bernard. Ah. And uh, just a variety of other works that really are, give them a taste of the rigor and the styles that I'd like to cover. The Papalooza is right around the corner. I think that's on a Friday afternoon. Friday afternoon. And then the, your first concert is? Sunday, October 4th. Sunday, October 4th, right around the corner. And that'll be at 3 o'clock in Kresge. So we're looking forward to another exciting year for the band and a big CD recording coming out in the spring. CD number 10, right? Number 10. Yeah, so right around the corner. Thanks for coming in to chat about it. Thank you. Hello, music lovers. This is Hannah Gothier bringing you the events calendar for the week of September 7th. On Wednesday, September 9th, a far cry, our first green guest artists will be at the student recital hour at 1020. 
At 7 p.m. on Wednesday, September 9th, if you've ever dreamed of Derek Truby and Dylan Prentice hosting their own program, then Storytellers on the Square will be the perfect event for you. They will be speaking with a far cry that evening, including some other School of Music students, so make sure you get down there at 7 p.m. to go check that out. On Thursday, September 10th, will be our first Faculty Select series featuring Scotty Stepp on saxophone. Friday, September 11th, will be the first Green Guest Artist Concert featuring A Far Cry, and that's at 7.30. On Saturday, September 12th, there will be a Communiversity event at the Square at 6 p.m. Also on September 12th, Insomniac Theater will be performing in Kerr, and that's put on by Doozer Do, and it's sure to be a night of ridiculous, hilarious theater, so get yourself to Kerr to go and see that. This has been the events calendar for the week of September 7th. Thank you very much, and have a great week. As we continue our discussions about what great music our School of Music ensembles are presenting this semester, it's my pleasure to welcome to the studio Dr. Steven Snyder, our Jazz Studies Director. Welcome. Thank you. A lot of jazz happening here this semester. Yes. Tell me about it. Well, our series of Jazz at the Duck opened last week on September 3rd with uh, my trio featuring a couple of great uh, Indianapolis musicians. Great Jesse, way to kick off the season. Yeah. Jesse Whitman and Kenny Phelps mm. joined us. And we we're also joined by some of our jazz students here at DePauw. Mm-hmm. So we had a front line of students backed up by It's trio. always great when the students get that opportunity to play with the pros. I was really excited to be able to offer yeah. them that opportunity. Yeah, and then uh, on the 10th, we have jam sessions and on the 24th as well. And then on September 17th, we have a group called the Men of Note and Candence, who will feature our very own Matthew Balanzuela. How about that? Wow, yes. cool. Very excited. All right. And then the jazz band's also added. You guys have got to Palapalooza right around the corner. That is September 18th. We don't have a start time for that yet because we're still trying to figure out what uh, repertoire will be where and how that whole thing's going to work. But yep. we're going to be there and we're going to be performing, so we're excited about it. Yeah, and then your first concert for the jazz band, the big band, is when? That will be October 7th, which is Wednesday night. Yeah, cool. How's the programming for that one coming? Great. Yeah? Yes, we've already begun uh, looking at that, and it's going to be preceded by a trip up northward. We're going to be uh, in Lafayette and then Logansport and Goshen. Right, uh, we're the getting the jazz band ready to go on the road, so we're taking these small steps toward becoming the touring road band we're supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, and then you've got a great event coming up yourself. Yes, on September 15th, which is Tuesday night, at 7.30, I'll be giving a recital at Music on the Square. Yeah, and this is going to be a little different. It is, yeah. Uh, we've got some uh, technology enhancements, so the... There's a little bit of a more immersive experience with the media that will be available to see and interact with. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be joined by a couple of great musicians that I'm very excited about. Yeah, and this is an organ trio. It is, yeah. I'll be playing Hammond organ. Yeah, boy, you won't get to hear that very often. So this is going to be fantastic. No shortage of great jazz going on at DePauw, and uh, we're looking forward to all these great events. Thanks for coming to chat about it. Thanks. I'm Caroline Shaw, and you're listening to Music for Life.
on Thursday, September the 10th at 7.30 p.m. in Thompson Recital Hall. We're in for a real treat. The saxophone mastery of Scotty Step comes back to the stage, and we're looking forward to it. And I'm happy that Scotty's joined us in the studio. Welcome. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. So you've got another exciting program up your sleeve there, do you? I think so. I think audiences will really enjoy it. It's uh, quite an eclectic mix of, of different styles mm. of music. So it'll be entertaining. So what's on? Um, I'm actually only playing on two pieces. They just happen to be a little lengthy. Um, <laughs> so so the, the solo piece I'll be doing with piano, uh, with pianist Martha Krasnikan from Indiana State, is Fuzzy Bird Sonata by Takahashi Yoshimatsu. Japanese composer. Mm. It's the three movement piece, and uh, the first movement's Run Bird, the second movement's Sing Bird, and the third movement is Fly Bird. Mm. Now, whether my bird does any of those things, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see on Thursday. But Fuzzy Bird, it's not really a little, you know, yellow chickadee fuzzy <laughs> bird kind of strolling about stage or in our in our minds. It's it's more of a bird that's kind of fuzzy in sight so it's uh, not really so i think the, the, yeah i think i think the translation is, is a little bit backward for us <laughs> but um because certainly this is not a pretty bird for most mm. of the piece mm -hmm. um what we would consider fuzzy but it's yoshimatsu's music in some ways for us as saxophonists a little bit impressionistic in style so he's had a background of playing in kind of jazz groups rock yeah, and roll cool. groups so he's, he's had a lot of interest in the, in the kind of western popular music. Mm -hmm. And so this piece has lots of jazz elements, some rock elements, lots of extended techniques for our instruments, altissimo, ah. you know, um, slap tongue. So, so lots of fun mm -hmm. things. But he, I think he's put everything together in a way that's, I think, really enjoyable for most audiences. Cool. And, it's, and, it's, and generally kind of difficult for us as saxophonists. Yeah, but, right. but it's, You tend it's, to pick those pieces that are really, really hard. Yeah, I don't know why I keep <laughs> doing this to myself. I don't understand. But no, it's, it's a piece that it's very popular in, our, you know, in, in the classical saxophone world, and, and so it gets lots of, lots of play. So what's your second piece? Uh, the second piece I'll be performing on is actually a quartet piece. Our quartet, Solar Quartet, is, is going to be performing. Um, and it's, it's a piece that was written last year by a composer named Carter Pan. And it's called the Mechanics, mm. and I've met Carter several times. He's he's he's, he's just, written some really neat work. He really has, um, and and I think he's my age. He's right around forty-one mm. years old, and um, he's kind of you know if you went to a party, he's kind of the life of the party. He's got this really <laughs> big personality, and it's just you know. So I, I remember taking a picture with Carter after one of my performances that he was at, and. Uh, I didn't really know him, so I'm standing there, and we're kind of both, you know, very astutely standing there. He's like, "This is ridiculous." He says, "Let's," he says, "Let's put our arms, you know, kind of together <laughs> and backs to backs, you know, just you know, make it ham it up." So he's a very entertaining guy, and uh, the piece that he's written for us for saxophone quartet, I think, is right along those lines of his personality. So uh -huh. it's a six movement work. The movements are rather short in length as a whole. There are a couple longer movements in there, but. I won't go into detail about all the movements, but I'll, these are his program mm -hmm. notes. So the mechanics, uh, six from the shop floor, is the actual title of the piece. And when he talks about this piece, he says, Every day I set about writing this piece, I pictured all four gentlemen saxophonists of the Capitol Quartet to be dressed as old-time auto mechanics, <laughs> smudged with grit and grease, performing in the middle of my brother's taxicab stand, which also served as a full-service auto shop with two hydraulic lifts. Uh, and so, you know, so he goes through, and so it's, the, the movements are hoist, drivetrain, belt, flywheel, balance, and finally ending with trash, which yeah. <laughs> is my particular favorite. And so I, I, have to, I have to read trash. He says, trash is straight up turbo blues music. 
The theme up front resembles that of a certain TV show from the 70s about a father-son garbage man duo. <laughs> Sanford and Son. Sanford and Son. And so you, you get elements of that of that theme song that, uh, throughout That's the cool. movement. So it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. I, I, I think the piece is great. So sounds like a great program. Now it is. you're saying the pieces I play on. So that's correct. So um, Paul Bro will be joining me. It's kind of a almost a split. Mm-hmm. It really is a split mm-hmm. uh, recital. So the works that he'll be doing will be with his Bro Fowler duet, mm-hmm. which is uh, saxophone and cello. Ah, cool. And so they've been together for I don't many many years, and they've been building this repertoire of saxophone, cello, and often have piano with it, uh, with the combination. And, and they've got some just really interesting pieces written for them. And so I think, you know, if our audience comes out and listens, they'll. It's such a beautiful mix of instrumentation. I think string and saxophones. It's just a great duo. Boy, and it sounds like a great program from start to finish. And I I can't wait to hear six from the shop floor. Sounds like a great piece. Thanks for coming in to chat about it. Thanks for having me. Our ongoing conversation about what we did with our summer brings us to Hannah Gothier, and she's going to tell us about her work with... The College Light Opera Company. It's in Falmouth, Massachusetts, right on the Cape, so it's a really beautiful location, yeah. Beautiful. How'd you get there? Well, a few past-to-past students have done the program before, like Yazid Mm -hmm. uh, and um, Lucas Wasmer, who graduated two years ago, I think. And they told me about it, said uh, it would be the perfect program for me because it's a mixture of musical theater and classical. I auditioned, I got in, and I just got to spend the Yeah, that's the, the way there. it happens so often is that our students go do something great, they make a good name for DePaul, and then other students get a leg up on the next time they come in. So I'm sure that you've done that for the people who are doing it in future years. Oh, I've been talking nonstop about it. <laughs> so tell us what you did. I spent... Two months there, uh, singing and dancing, doing summer stock. I did mm. eight shows eight in different ten weeks. Shows. Yeah, yep. We would be rehearsing one show during the day and performing another one at night. Oh my gosh! So what shows did you do? We did the Mikado, uh, West Side Story, Boys from Syracuse, Oklahoma, The New Moon, Hello Dolly, Titanic, and The Gondoliers. That's unbelievable. Yeah, there was a lot of a lot of crossover. You could wow. be belting during the day and. <laughs> singing classically at night. Wow, how did you keep it all straight? Um, it was it was difficult, but uh, eventually you would get into the rhythm of things and you learned how to learn an entire show in a week while doing another one. And how many performances of each production? I think there were six. Wow. Six performances. There there was a matinee and an evening show on Thursdays. Wow. What was a day like for you? Uh, you would get up to have rehearsal at 10 from 12.30, have an hour break to get fed and work, because we also had to do work jobs while we were there, um, <laughs> like working in the kitchen or other things. And then we'd go back to rehearsal from 2 to 5.30, do the food thing again, and then we'd go do a show from wow. about 7.30 to they could get out at like 11, maybe. Wow. And so... You had a week to start, I would suppose, before the performances started. Yeah, we had about two weeks to get into the flow of things. So we spent about two weeks in the Mikado and two weeks on West Side Story. And then from that point on, it was show in a week. Wow. And how many students? Um, there were 32 in the vocal company. And then there was an orchestra of maybe 30. And then there was the crew and the staff. <laughs> Yeah, there were a lot wow, of us. Wow, amazing. And such a beautiful place, too. It and was it was a great summer gorgeous, there, too. It yeah. was beautiful weather. There was hardly a bad day. Hardly a bad day in, in the weather. How'd the audience like it? The audience was 
incredible. After the opening night and the matinee, we would have meet and greets and you would see the same people every time and people <laughs> would tell us about how they've had season tickets since they were little and these would be like people in their 70s and <laughs> they'd learn your names and there was never a show that wasn't almost sold out. So how do you go from sight reading and learning a show, becoming aware of it, to memorizing it and the blocking and everything else that goes with it in a single week? Well, it's always important to write things down, but uh, we would have a whole day of music just for that show, So, and we would run it as many times as we possibly could. And then um, if you weren't on stage or doing something in a, in a coaching, everyone would be out on the porch or in their <laughs> rooms just going over music as a group so we could all learn it and get it in and we'd go over scenes again and again you'd see people on uh, lunch breaks in the workspace going over things so really there wasn't ever a moment of downtime we spent all of our time memorizing and going over things and just doing what we could what a great experience it was fantastic jason robert brown's wife was there once wow yeah i saw him on the beach that was funny Uh, (laughs) yeah (laughs) after his trip here to depaul yeah Uh, that's fantastic So how's it feel to be back? Did you just finish last week or Um, did you have a break between that and coming back to school? On Saturday night, the past Saturday night, I finished the final performance of Gondoliers, had to strike. I was up till five and got on a plane the next day at like seven to come (sighs) here. So I haven't really had a break. Out of the frying pan into the fire. (laughs) Yeah. We just started spam a lot rehearsals and to me, it's just moving so slowly because we're not doing it in a week. (laughs) We have till October. (laughs) Well, what a great summer experience, and uh, we're glad to have you back on the slower pace where we'll only do one show. (laughs) We won't do a show a week, but thanks for coming in to chat about it. Thank you so much. We are thrilled to welcome Dallas and Laura in to tell us, and I I don't even know if I want to talk to you. I'm so jealous because (laughs) they got to do something really cool. So Dallas Gray and Laura Woody, welcome to the program. Thanks. Good so, to be here. what did you get to do? Go ahead, rub it in. We <laughs> we got to go to England and work with the King Singers, <laughs> who were just at DePaul in February, and that's actually how we first heard about their summer program, their summer school. And uh, Laura, you wanna? Um, we were there <clears throat> for a week. We went to the, a university just outside of London. It was called Royal Holloway University. And we went as individuals, so what they did is all of the people that went as individuals, they split them up into two smaller chamber groups, and we sang together in rehearsals throughout the entire week, and then we performed a gala concert at the end of the week. And the King Singers were there? Yes. Yes. All of them? Yes. Yes. (laughs) And they performed. (laughs) Wow. And they were your coaches? Yes. Mm -hmm. We would split up into different rehearsals, the two groups, and then we would have a King Singer come to those rehearsals and work with us. So we actually got to work with all of them at different times. Wow. Mm -hmm. What did the group sound like? Were they good? Yes, actually. I wasn't expecting... There were a lot of older individuals. Uh And uh, I mean, there was an 18-year-old guy from like Australia or something like that, and then it ranged to like mid to late 60s of people from just there were over 40 nationalities of people oh there. my gosh mm-hmm. yeah it was it was crazy and then we got to work with eric whitaker and that was absolutely amazing fantastic. yeah yeah he's something isn't he mm-hmm. yeah wow and so you had a week of rehearsals and then a big concert at the end mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. give me the day in the life what was it like what'd you, what'd you do you got up in the morning and what happened rehearsed uh <laughs> got up, ate, ate some breakfast ate the nice english breakfast right. yeah. yes um, <laughs> yeah. and uh i guess little breaks in between where mm-hmm. we would kind of get to know 
all of these other people. Mm. There were a lo- there were a lot of German people there actually. <laughs> so it was it was really there was this one really funny German guy in our group that just cracked us up every day. <laughs> like, but I actually am still you know corresponding with some people from this Isn't program, cool? and it was just it was really nice to be able to make those acquaintances. So did people. you have master classes or did they do what did they do the night regard? We worked with Stephen Darlington, oh, who really? is a choir director at Christ Church in Oxford. Ah. And uh, we did a lot of chant, not like Gregorian chant, but like no, a was, little later than like, that. Yeah, a little later, but very, very early music. Mm. And um, we actually, in the, the middle of the week, we performed a church service. I can't remember what it was called. The like, Compline the Service. The Compline ah, Service. So um, they gave us a piece and we rehearsed it that day. And then we performed it that evening in this little chapel space that they had at the university. And it was, So how many choristers were there in this the whole thing? Oh, my maybe 80 wow. so. there was there, there was a quite a few quite because there were some groups that came together there's actually a group they had a really interesting name they were called fool f-o-o-l and it was fruits of our labor <laughs> and they actually came to the last camp that the king singers had and they came all came as individuals and they were from all different countries throughout europe there was one even from america and formed and, a group and they formed a group afterwards and then they came back as wow. a as a group so Isn't that mm-hmm. cool yeah so did you get any time in england i mean yeah, were, I was, were you just rehearsing and singing every moment <laughs> Um, no, we did. We had some downtime where we got to chat with the with the King Singers and the rest of the people there, and just kind of get to know everyone. And then I was actually there a couple of days early, so I spent some time in London by myself and yeah, kind of just toured good. around. So, so the King Singers come to the Paw and they end up taking you to England. That doesn't get much better than that, does it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thanks for coming in to rub it in. <laughs> nice chatting with you. Yeah. Thank you. Oh. Uh-huh. 
We love to kick off the year on Music for Life, talking about the great things in store this semester. And here to chat with me about what our choral area is up to is our choral conductor, Dr. Christina Berger. Welcome back. Thank you. Good to have you here. I'm happy to be here. You had a great year of programming with us last year. What's up your sleeve this year? (laughs) Well, if we look a short way up my sleeve, we can (laughs) see my immediate plans. Our first concert comes up already on September 27th. Wow, right around the uh, corner. Right around the corner. And the centerpiece of the concert is the piece of music that converted me to a choral conductor from being a pianist. Yeah, I was in music school as a pianist, but I was singing in choir to fulfill my ensemble requirement. And then you came to what piece? Benjamin Britten's Rejoice in the Lamb. Uh. And I said, oh my goodness, I want to do this. (laughs) I've got a switch. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm so excited to offer that to our students uh, this year. And so there is this very curious poetry in that cantata about a cat named Jeffrey and a mouse of great personal valor and a gorgeous verse about the poetry of flowers. And so I've built a concert program that I'm calling Flora and Fauna. Ah. So it's a bunch of music about flowers and animals. There you go. Um, And, you know, that enables us to sample pretty broadly from Renaissance polyphony and South African choral music and music from the interior of Corsica and uh, mid-20th century um, part song, just a a wide range of stuff. And this Corsica? music has got some interesting twists to it. (laughs) Well, it does. Yeah, it's this um, tradition that is as isolated as the people on that island traditionally have been. So it's music that farming families in the interior sang, particularly during Lent, that they learned through an oral tradition, mostly at the time traditionally sung by men in religious confraternities, laymen. Mm-hmm. And uh, in reviving this polyphony, uh, people of all genders have jumped on the bandwagon to sing it because mm-hmm. it's, it's so attractive. But we had expert teachers here with us last week, Molly Stone and Patty Kyler, who taught us the proper way by ear and uh, told us a little bit about the history and culture of Corsica. So it's a nice combination between uh, what is fixed and what is improvised in the moment. And the question of improvisation comes in, first of all, in timing, when voice parts enter. Mm -hmm. There's a 
you have to wait for certain other things in the ensemble to happen before it can be your turn. And also ornamentation. Uh, and, and you know what I love about it is that it forces us to be so real and in the moment. You know, we as, as trained musicians, we're so used to reading black ink on a white paper and yeah. our ears are almost off, you know, which is kind of sad. This, and I was watching a rehearsal the other day, it was fascinating because everybody's just locked on because yeah. it's all about what you're hearing. That's right. It uses a whole different set of neural pathways mm -hmm. for response. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So that's your first concert. That's September, yeah. And that's in September. And then what, is, what goes on? You've got the rest of the semester. You've got a holiday gala. Are you, You're singing at the Palooza? Oh, sure we are. Yeah, we're going to take our South African polyphony and our Corsican polyphony uh, outdoors. I personally am not a fan of singing outdoors. Um, yeah, yeah, it you know, is we, tough. Mm -hmm, we mostly work on music that was designed for indoor spaces, but this music adapts well, so mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons we learn it early in the semester, so we can be <laughs> ready for that occasion. But no, we've got a concert in November that I, I also have have planned you'll be happy to know uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that one is part of uh, our shared arts fest across the campus arts mm. and transformation so um, I'm killing two birds with one stone here the university chorus is going to sing a set of Shakespeare texts mm. composed for mixed chorus piano and bass by George Shearing how about that yeah so we're going to look at how a piece began as a sonnet or as a text for a song within a Shakespearean play and then becomes music for chorus and, you know, jazz combo, jazz So for section. those who don't know, George Shearing, famous jazz pianist and composer, wrote Lullaby of Birdland and many other great things, married a DePaul grad and oh, recently gave us his piano. He passed away recently and the George Shearing piano will be uh, a gift to DePaul. But oh. Ellie Shearing, who is a great choral singer in her own right, was married to George for many years and kept George close to DePaul. This is, I didn't know this. You know, I did these pieces in New York City about 12 years ago, and, and George came to the performance. How but um, this is amazing to me that his piano is coming to us. <laughs> there I you can't go. believe it. And we are looking forward to some involvement with some theater students also. And that's all I'll say right now because that's still under discussion. <laughs> okay, but great. Um, we nice would like 21 to. 21 CM element there. Yes, sir. Uh, and for the chamber singers on that concert, we're using the theme of arts and transformation to prepare our repertoire for our upcoming tour in France. Uh -huh. uh, we are going to be uh, plumbing the depths of the Franco-Flemish polyphonic tradition, which is really the beginning of Western art as right. we know it today. So we'll be looking at how a, an ancient liturgical plain chant of unknown origin becomes a motet, becomes a mass mm -hmm. part. Mm -hmm. um, so I think we'll be looking at some Josquin, we'll be looking at later into the Renaissance some Lassus, and uh, also we're going to do the uh, Durifle quatre motets, four motets, oh. because we're going to be in Rouen, where he worked, and right. those are all based on plain chant as well. So Yeah, you, we're going to have to have you back on, because this is going to be a really exciting tour in January. In January, yeah. yeah off to France. Yeah. This is going to be really fantastic. Well, you've certainly got an exciting program planned. You know, is it good or bad when you are conducting a work that means so much to you, like the Britain? Do you find it hard? I often found it very hard. The pieces that were the closest to me were often very difficult. That's an interesting... I mean, it's easy to be disappointed, right? Mm -hmm. Because your desires are so particular and they're so strongly felt. And right. so if they're not attained, then that's uh, that can be a disappointment. But I have to say I've not had an experience with being disappointed with oh. this work. And I think I'm just, I'm just fortunate in my particular capacity that 
I'm able to hear what I think is going to be the best that this particular group can make of the piece. And I've conducted this piece with more able groups and with less able mm -hmm. groups, mm -hmm. like by far in either direction, and never been more than completely moved and satisfied by that? the result. That's, yeah, I had that Toscanini quote running through my head, God tells me how the music should go and you get in the way, uh, which is not a good thing to tell musicians. No, it's not. <laughs> no, no. I mean, the, really the way I appreciate these great, pieces is that they're gifts to us through which we can communicate with one another mm -hmm. and the piece it's there for us to make us what we can be together and that can be only what the people in the room you know there is no there are no two ensembles that are going to make right. it the same piece of music and that which is part of the beauty of it that needs to be the freeing and the opportunity of it not not the not the restriction so some great opportunities to hear some really wonderful choral music as we prepare to jaunt across the pond and off to france uh, a great year in store and thanks for coming in to chat about it you're welcome fresh from opera in the ozarks Yazid Pierce Gray and Julie Strauser. Welcome. Thanks. Thank you. We've been talking about what everyone's been doing all summer. They've been coming to rub it in and tell me about all the cool things they got to do. So go ahead. Let's hear your story. Julie, what were you up to? Well, we did opera in the Ozarks in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. And um, we put on a total of five shows. We did three main stage operas and one opera scenes concert and also an educational outreach program of Cinderella that traveled around. Over what period of time? Two months. In two months. Five <laughs> operas in two months. Yep. <laughs> yeah? So that's a lot to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I take it you did it? Oh, yes, definitely. Um, just one of the biggest things that... I took away from this program was the work ethic and having a strong work ethic and how mm -hmm. important it is to be a smart musician and a smart performer to be on top of your practicing because you're moving at a fast pace and things have to be known and learned and it just has to work out somehow. Otherwise, you just don't the do it. The show must, the show go, must go on. on. Exactly. So what was a day in the life like? Well, there were three rehearsal blocks that were three hours each. And we'd wake up and have... Every day. Three three-hour rehearsals. Yes. In a single day. Mm -hmm. Wow. And then a performance. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Usually, um, yeah, split up by each show. So there were the three main stage productions that would rehearse during three blocks. And then the educational outreach production would rehearse in one of those blocks as well. And you just run to wherever you were assigned to be. And you got up early. Mm -hmm. Went to bed late. <laughs> and you did it again. <laughs> How'd you get in there? What took you to Opera in the Ozarks? Well, Lucas Wasmer did it a few years ago, and Caroline recommended it to us, and so we auditioned. See, we're on to something here. Matt Champagne, our producer, and I have been doing these interviews, and every single time we ask that question, it's, well, a DePaul student <laughs> went to this thing, and then I got into it, and then you guys will do a great job, and you'll get the next DePaul students into it. So that's fantastic. So... Five shows in two months. When did you, did you get any summer at all? Yeah, we did. We went to the lake quite often when we could. And Is um, there a nice lake nearby? Yeah, there were Beautiful. two or three lakes nearby. Mm. And yeah, they were very, very nice. And there was also an historic downtown area that we'd visit and go shopping and whatnot. It was surprisingly beautiful out there. We just right in the mountains and you mm -hmm. could look out. There was a spot on the campus called the slab that we would go to, just a little concrete slab. And 
you could look out, you could see the dam, and you could see the lake and all the trees. It was really beautiful. That's yeah, cool. And so when did you wrap it up? When was your last performance? July 17th. 17th. So you had a little bit of break before you had to come back. Mm-hmm. Yes. And are you doing the opera here? Yep. We'll planning on yeah, it. Planning on it. Mm-hmm. Auditions. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you were both in our last opera, as I recall. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's great to have you back. We missed you. We're glad you're here. And I understand you spent your summer bonding because you're now both going to be in the 21CM office. And it was important that you not drift too far apart before you came <laughs> in to take that job on. So nice to have you back. And thanks for coming in to chat about it. Thank, Thank you. you. Last time we chatted with Mark Rabideau and welcomed him to DePauw as the director of the 21st Century Musician Initiative. And now I'm happy to welcome him back to the studio to talk about one of our most exciting things going on this year, a new space called Music on the Square. Welcome, Mark. Thanks so much for having me back. Tell us a little bit about this Music on the Square. Music on the Square is a storefront building right on the square here in the center of Greencastle, Indiana. It's a beautiful space that has evolved through a vast renovation from what was, my understanding, a dilapidated store into a spectacularly beautiful space that's elastic and flexible and ready to take on any artistic challenge that comes its way. It has four beautiful, acoustically tuned practice rooms that will be used by DePaul music students in their practice sessions, but really featuring... Uh, opportunities for students from our shared community across Greencastle and Putnam County to come in and to embrace a life lived through the art of music making. So they'll take lessons in those spaces with DePauw students and faculty. The bigger space is used in the morning for kinder music courses. There'll be performances throughout the uh, month in the evenings, and it's a place to gather for arts presenters across our community to come together and better understand how we can help one another. And lifelong learning opportunities. Lifelong learning opportunities. Can I start there? Is that okay with the lifelong? Because here in the next few weeks and unfolding as we speak is our first community class. And community flows very easily from my tongue, even under the pressure of the microphone. But it's because (laughs) it really makes sense to me now. And for many of our listeners, it'll be the first time they've heard the word community. But it's a combination of both community and the university, but the bigger takeaway is it's about expanding the universe of knowledge surrounding art. So in September, we're launching Opera and Wine. It's an opportunity to come in and learn something more about something that we all know we're supposed to love, something that we might even (laughs) love but not fully understand. They're both highly complex, yet they've been around for centuries. And uh, this is an opportunity to detangle some of what's the mystery around that and to truly fall in love with both opera and wine. We have three remarkably dynamic faculty coming from DePauw to share their insights on the opera. We have three fabulous wine experts provided by uh, Gail Smith over at Almost Home. Gail's catering the events, and it's going to be a spectacular opening to our adult learning courses. I really hope our listeners have an opportunity to, to participate or, or to make sure that they sign up for our next events. We've got a whole host of these unfolding over the upcoming months and years, and I think it's going to be a terrific way to engage our adult learners. So this is part of our plan to have musical training from cradle to grave. So we've got kinder music, which starts at 
Oh gosh, uh, Pam Smith is such a dynamic teacher. She works with kids just months old mm -hmm. in kind of a daddy, I put out there first, or mm -hmm. mommy and mm -hmm. me classes. So it really is from just months old all the way up until, I, I think I think she peaks them out around six years old. If and I then six to 18 is the prep element of it where they're taking private lessons and all the other stuff that's available. And then the opera and wine and and all the other things that go on for the adult learners in the community. I mean, you know, we're trying to keep music active in Greencastle no matter what your age. Yeah, k kids from, you know, 1 to 92, I guess, yeah. is the way we're thinking about it, as once yeah. stated. But, you know, there's another population in there that we're really focused in on, and, and that's really kind of the 20-somethings. The mm -hmm. And so one of the initiatives that's unfolding here in September with, with two performances is something called Storytellers at M Squared. And Storytellers is really an opportunity for 20-somethings to come in. And not, I didn't say school of music students, 20-somethings, anybody who kind of fits that young hip age. I, I think of it as the MTV age, of course. That, that's, that shows how old you yeah, are. A, and I'm incredibly old. Uh, I'm happy to have been able to make it to the studio today. Uh, but the 20-somethings, it's, it's kind of a, a modeled after a VH1 reality art music, get to know the artist. How's that for a lot of there hyphens in there? And we're going to bring in a Far Cry, which is a dynamic group out of Boston. It's a chance to get to know not only the art, but also the artists behind them. How did they arrive at this moment? What are the things that are still challenging for them? What do they hope to accomplish in their careers? And they can really provide insights for, for anybody at that age bracket to say, this is what it takes to be successful in the world. So we're excited about that. We're going to do the same thing a little later in September with the Lomax Project. Uh, Jamie Stone, who runs that group, is, is part of the Silk Road Ensemble, taught at the Global Musician Workshop that unfolded on our campus this summer. And he is dynamic, exciting, and he's bringing a spectacular group. So I I'm, I'm really want to see a lot of 20-somethings in there. I'll be the old guy in the back not doing anything, <laughs> but just, you know, remembering the good old days. You know, this is at 21 North Indiana, right on Indiana Street, a block away from Starbucks, across the street from the courthouse down the street from almost home so many exciting things to be going there it's open all day most days there's a chance to swing in and purchase tickets to see what's happening to read about upcoming events and we hope that we'll see you at music on the square and thanks for coming in to chat about it yeah really exciting to share this news with you
We hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of Music for Life. We love hearing from listeners. You can contact us by emailing musicforlife at depaw.edu. We're also on Facebook at DePaul Music for Life, and you can subscribe to our show on iTunes by searching there for DePaul Music for Life. Our student producers are Hannah Gothier, Burke Stanton, and Matt Skiba. Veronica Pedrel is our online editor, and our show is produced by Matthew Champagne in the Judson and Joyce Green Center for the Performing Arts at DePaul University in Greencastle, Indiana. I'm Mark McCoy, Dean of the School of Music. Thank you for listening to our show. Keep music in your life and have a great week. It's music for life.